0: Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, when, uh, Monday night. Where are we? Monday night Against the Stream class. Against the Stream is a meditation center, and a, a core part of our uh, mission is to help facilitate people connecting with each other. Yes, come here and learn a Buddhism and uh, meditate and get some instruction, some guidance, some support. There's one of the functions is the teaching piece that I do. Um, But a big part of it is just uh, meeting other people that are on this Buddhist path, on this spiritual path, what we call the middle path, and developing those connections. The Buddha uh, was quite clear about the necessity of uh, spiritual friendship, wise friends, friends who will support you in being mindful and kind and compassionate and forgiving um, and ethical. And um, so this is one of the, the functions of it. And in order to facilitate you not just sitting in silence and pretending like you're spiritual, but actually uh, meeting each other, connecting, I like to offer a topic and ask you to talk with each other. The topic for tonight, we're going to meditate. We're in this series of the heart practices, the Brahma Biharas. We did loving kindness and compassion and appreciative joy last week. And this week's topic is uh, equanimity. And a central part of the equanimity meditation practice is about uh, understanding that everyone has their own karma. And, And I'll get more into that. We'll talk about karma and Uh, What it means to accept that we can't control other people's karmas, that everybody is responsible for their own happiness, for their own actions, consequences of their actions. But for a prompt uh, to talk, to introduce yourself to some people, you know, a couple people, two or three people, and I'll put you in these breakout rooms on Zoom or here in the room to talk to each other. The topic is karma. And so, just for a moment, like think about how often are you uh, aware of karma? I mean, how much, uh, how much is it on your mind that everything that I do, uh, I'm responsible for. Everything that I say, everything that I, uh, every post on social media has karma to it. Every uh, interaction that we have with each other, there's a karmic. Momentum, fruit, cause and effect. So how much are you uh, aware of and concerned about your karma? I guess is part of the question. And how much is karma a part of your uh, awareness and your uh, intention and your uh, consciousness? Are you conscious like when you're going through your day of like, "Eh, maybe I won't say this thing that I want to say because I don't want the karma of it. I don't want the effect that saying that reactive, impulsive. Maybe I won't, you know, make this comment on somebody's social media and what a fucking douchebag they are. <laughs> maybe I won't say that, even though it's totally true, because I don't want the karma of it. I don't. I don't want to put that judgment out into, uh, you know the world, because I don't want to, I don't want to own that, even though I feel it and my mind says it, I don't need to turn it into a a volitional action. How much, you know, so that's my question for you, like, do you think about karma throughout your day when you're communicating? Are you, are you aware? Is this something that's on your radar? Some of you might be brand new. I didn't even ask how many people here for the first time tonight? Handful, some new people on online, maybe. Some of you have been practicing Buddhism for a long time. You've been thinking about this. You've been trying to embody uh, this ethical way of being that doesn't create negative karma for yourself. Some of you are brand new and you're like, I just came to like learn about mindfulness and I'm not sure about this karma shit yet. (laughs) And that's okay. Like maybe, maybe that's your where you're at and everybody's welcome and, but it's a central part of the Buddha's teaching. It's a central part of why. Um, I don't want to give the whole talk now. So anyways, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. So find a couple people, hopefully, that you don't know. So you make some new connections and talk about karma. Welcome back. little bit of discussion before we meditate um, because there's this phrase in the meditation where we say uh, we remind ourselves all beings have their own karma and this is um, the buddha's teaching to balance and in in conjunction with um, the last couple of weeks where we're saying may all beings be free from suffering and that compassionate wish that loving kindness and compassion and appreciation that we're trying to generate in our mind and our heart. And this wish, this wholesome, goodwill, compassion. In Buddhism, we talk so much about having compassion for our own pain, having compassion for other people's pain, having compassion for the suffering in the world, of the world, and balancing it with the understanding that Um, No matter how much compassion we have, we can't control other people's reactions to their experience. That everyone, you know, karma literally means action and reaction. And we don't have the power, even enlightened beings, even the fully enlightened Buddha, was quite clear, he said, I can't change anybody else's karma. I can't make anybody else act in a way that will end suffering for them. Everyone has to do that themselves. We all have our own ability to change the way that we act and the way that we react to what's happening in our lives. And that our happiness or our unhappiness will come from our, how we respond to what's happening. This is the radical Buddhist simple perspective. Your happiness or unhappiness is not caused by the experience that you're having. Reflect on that. It's so different than the way we think about life, right? You think about like, I'm having this terrible experience, so of course I'm suffering, (laughs) right? Some big loss or some big pain or some Annoyance or you know, some difficulty, and it's always the it's what's happening. I'm unhappy because this is happening. I'm suffering because I'm experiencing unpleasant ex- sensations, emotions, interactions. And this is where Buddhism says, well, it's possible to not suffer about anything. And that each one of us has the ability to not react in a way that will make it worse. You still have all of your pain. You'll still have all of the reality of living in this world of ignorance and oppression and mass confusion. This world that we live in. We live here. It's a world of. There's lots of beautiful things. I don't want to. Be, you know. It's not all bad. It's not total hell realm,
1: <laughs>
0: but it's pretty bad. A lot, you know, a lot of the time, the, the amount of ignorance, the amount of oppression, the amount of, of uh, pain and loss and tragedy and a lot, it's a lot to deal with. And the Buddhist promises, even in this world of constant impermanence, unavoidable pain it's possible to not suffer about the pain it's possible to not to have enough compassion for the pain to have enough non-attachments to the impermanent experiences that we end suffering through our own training of our minds and our hearts And this perspective that we have to come to understand that everyone has to do it for themselves. People often, because I'm the meditation teacher guy, I like to say like, you saved my life. Refuge recovery, Dharma punks, whatever, like that you fucking say, and they want to put it on me. And I'm like, I didn't do any of your work. <laughs> I'm glad to be a messenger. I'm happy that, you know, you applied Buddhism to your life and saved your own fucking life. I'm happy to be a messenger, but I didn't do any of your work. You, you had your karma and you showed up and you listened and you read the books or whatever it was, and you applied it. And through your own actions, you chain your own karma. Each one of us has to do that for ourselves and nobody can do it for us. And it's easy. I mean, I'm not I feel the same way like I I probably say the same shit to my teachers. I'm like, "Oh, Amaro, you saved my life." <laughs> he's like, "Shut the fuck up."
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> because of course we know they didn't. Like they, nobody, you know, we don't can't save anybody's life. You can be kind, you can be compassionate, you can be I mean maybe literally physically you could save someone's life if they're drowning or something, but not on this level of recovery or this level of spiritual awakening we all have to do that work for ourselves 100 percent. people can inspire us can support us can encourage us can send us to rehab <laughs> you know can do you know there's there's some things that people can do for us but ultimately we have to do all the work ourselves So we say in the meditation to remind ourselves, yes, compassion, care deeply. Love as big as you can. And remember to not get attached and to not suffer about other people's suffering. Love them, care about them but remember they have their own karma. You suffering because you can't control change someone else, it's hard enough to to deal with our own minds, our own karma, our own careful in our responses, much less to take on the responsibility of someone else's happiness. And so this is a a core message of, of the Buddha, of Buddhism. Do your own work. Be compassionate, be loving, be generous, and remember, everyone has to do their own work. All beings have their own karma. And I started by asking you to talk a little bit about karma, and I'll do most of the talk about what we mean by karma in Buddhism. I just wanted a little bit of uh, reminder of why we do this. Uh, if any of you have any tendencies towards codependency or, um, and I think probably we all have some tendency. It's part of the human condition to be like, I love you. I want to change you. <laughs> and not necessarily in a manipulative way, but I just, I see you suffering and I care about you and I don't want you to suffer natural, it's beautiful to have that feeling of, I don't want you to suffer. But when we think we can actually do something about someone else's suffering, the internal causes of suffering, which are clinging and aversion and self-centeredness, we have no ability to do anything about anybody else's tendency towards clinging. We have no ability to do anything about somebody else's inner relationship to pain. We can't make somebody be tolerant and merciful and compassionate. And when it comes to that natural human tendency to be self-centered and to believe our minds and to continue to kind of take the bad advice that our minds are giving us, the more you meditate, the more you see like, oh, I got to not really obey my mind because it's uh, so often confused but you can't make anybody else not obey their mind (laughs) it's their mind it's their karma they have to work with their own mind states their own emotions their own experiences so the equanimity meditation is training our minds reminding us and creating this habit of mind to remember to love to have compassion and to be non-attached to other people's experiences. Does that make sense? To be unattached, compassionately, lovingly, not attached to other people's experience because they have their own karma. So much easier said than done try it with your kids, (laughs) try it with your partners, try it with your friends, try it, you know, our tendency to be like, no, no, like, these are my children, they're not allowed to suffer, not much I can do about their aversion to pain, this is my partner, this is my closest loved one, can't make them have compassion and tolerance, they have to, you can model it, We can give them the tools. What is the kind of you can teach them how to fish? (laughs) Teach them how to meditate. So find a way to sit and we'll offer some instructions and we'll do the equanimity meditation.
2: Allowing your eyes to be gently closed,
0: your body to be upright but relaxed. Release any unnecessary tension around the face, jaw, neck, shoulders. Begin with mindfulness, present time awareness of your body breathing in And as you breathe out, try to soften your belly, let go, relax into this open and receptive present time awareness.
2: Begin reflecting on all of the people that you care about. Friends and family. Partners. People in the Sangha that you care about. Generating a feeling of
0: compassion, kindness, appreciation. Think about the people that are really easy to
2: love. Reflect on your
0: relationship to other people's difficulties when your loved ones are suffering. Or that you care about or having a hard time experiencing tragedies or loss or
2: just stressed out.
0: Begin to add the phrases, the equanimity meditation phrases to your mind.
2: All beings are responsible for their own happiness. Our happiness or unhappiness is not dependent on what's happening, but how we respond to what's happening. Reminding ourselves,
0: suffering is not caused by pain. Suffering is caused by aversion resistance, anger and hatred towards pain.
2: Reminding ourselves, reflecting, breathing in,
0: the reality that it's not that everything is impermanent that causes suffering, it's clinging, it's attachment to impermanent experiences that causes suffering. Everyone's responsible for their own happiness. Everyone has their own karma.
2: And our happiness or unhappiness
0: depends on how we act, how we respond, how we relate to our pain, to our minds,
2: to impermanence.
0: You could bring specific people to mind, perhaps visualizing someone that you really care about. And saying to them in your heart, I love you, I care about you. And I understand that you have your own karma in this life. And that your happiness or unhappiness does not depend on my wishes, my desires, but on your own actions. Inviting these people that you're reflecting on into your heart, into your Meditation can be as simple as I care about you and I understand you have your own karma.
2: See who else shows up in your heart and mind, the people that you're attached to. As we train the mind to be less attached, more loving, less clinging. I care about you.
0: And I know you have your own karma. Your happiness or unhappiness depends on your actions, not my wishes for you. And expand. Think about the people that you talked to in the small groups tonight. Maybe you don't know them so well, or there was the breakout rooms or here in person. Bring this attitude of equanimity, this person who's meditating, seeking freedom from
2: suffering. Meeting them with this understanding your happiness or unhappiness
0: is based on how you respond to the pain in your life, the pleasure, the impermanence.
2: Reflecting that we all have our own karma. Cause and effect. In
0: our hearts and minds saying to each other, I care about you, I wish for your freedom, I wish for your happiness. And I understand that you have your own karma and that your happiness will come from your actions, not my wishes. And now expand to think about some of the people that you resent, some of the difficult people in your life, difficult people in this world.
2: Bring this perspective to some of the difficult people in your mind, to people that seem like they're getting
0: away with bad behavior. and apply this perspective of karma, of equanimity,
2: Your happiness or unhappiness is dependent on your actions. One of the ways
0: this is traditionally said is all beings are heirs to their karma. Heirs, as in inheritors, that any negative, unskillful, unwise behaviors will be.
2: Inherited,
0: will be owned. The karmic consequences is something that we will all receive. So sometimes thinking about the difficult people with compassion, with forgiveness, but also remembering they have their karma. They're not getting away with
2: anything. We don't have to continue to suffer at everyone's creating their own suffering already.
0: Reflecting that everyone we've ever met is responsible for their own happiness, has their own karma, including our parents, our children, our siblings, all of our relatives, all of our friends.
2: extending this understanding
0: outward in all directions to all living beings in the east and west, north and south.
2: Radiating compassion towards all of the suffering on this planet. Appreciation towards all of the joy, beauty. An attitude of kindness towards all living beings as much as you can. Wishing. May all beings be happy. May all beings be at ease. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings do what needs to be done to develop compassion non-attachment as we come to understand
0: karma all beings take full responsibility for their own happiness Turning your awareness to your own body here, breathing. Soften your belly, release your shoulders.
2: And say to yourself,
0: I'm fully responsible for my own happiness. Remind yourself, it's not what happens in my life, but how I respond to it. It's not even what my mind thinks or emotions, but how I relate to those thoughts and emotions that creates my happiness or unhappiness, my suffering
2: or my freedom from suffering.
0: In Buddhism, there are um, five laws of nature, and part of this is in the context. I don't know if your mind goes there, but maybe the question comes up of like, well, is is everything karma? Is everything that happens in our lives personal? Is it you know like, is it is it all karma? The Buddha addressed it this way, he said, um, the first is um, uh, Uta Niyama, they're they're the Niyamas, Uh, and uh, it means uh, the weather or temperature, seasons or other physical events, Uh, like the laws of physics and chemistry, like when we talk about what we experience, we don't always take into account or appreciate the fact that we have a physical body, and that this physical that this is a physical universe, and we experience the results, the way the, the results of the way that matter works, and the the, the weather and the temperature, and um, that is not so personal. You ever you ever find yourself taking the weather personal? <laughs> and maybe even have you ever had the thought like? <clears throat> I don't know what a good example is of like you have the day off and you want to go to the beach and, and it's a cloudy day and you had all this, you know, this plan and and you're like my fucking karma. I've got the worst karma. It's cloudy today as though there's something personal to you about the weather. The weather is not your karma. It's just Nature. How you respond to that cloudy day or that rainy day or that is your karma, right? How you act in relationship to nature. If you can suffer about it, you'd be like, "Fucking, it, it's way too hot. Or even right now, is it too cold in here? Could suffer about that if you want.
1: <laughs>
0: totally good opportunity to be like, I can't be comfortable. I can't be happy, it's cold. Fuck this. I'm going to suffer at the temperature. Now, of course, when it's air conditioning, you can take it a little bit more personal because we could do something about it. (laughs) At least, you know, like when when you watch your mind doing something about the weather, you can have a little bit more sense of humor of like humility of like, wow, I'm so fucking self-centered. I think (laughs) that this planet hates me or loves me like it's just it's always nice i've done that before but i've been like up in seattle and they're like oh it's always whenever you come to seattle it's nice i'm like yeah i bring the sunshine (laughs)
1: like
0: no i go to seattle in june it's nice in june second law the laws of biology um we you have a body How often are you taking your body like aging and, you know, just the the truth of having a body personal? Like, oh, it's my karma. The fact that I'm fucking getting old or I got sick. How about, you know, when you got Corona? (laughs) Fucking, my karma's the worst. I was so careful and I washed my hands and I got (laughs) COVID anyways. It's personal. The body, you know, it's just the, the reality is we have, a, we live in this world of matter and there's weather patterns and we live in this body with these six sense doors and, and we live with this nervous system that doesn't like unpleasant sensations very much and really likes pleasant sensations. And it's not your karma. It's not personal. It's not your fault that this body, which is subject to sickness, aging, and death. There's the five daily, you know, when it comes to uh, relating to the the karma of our bodies. A couple of reflections. One is, uh, you know, you get sick and you age and you die, not because of your karma, but because you took birth. If you have taken birth, if we have incarnated, sickness, aging and death just goes with the package. It's not personal. (laughs) It's just what's happening here in permanent biology. There's the five daily reflections that many Buddhists do daily and some of you probably have practiced with it. Uh, And the first one is reminding ourselves, I, this body, I'm subject to aging. I'm not exempt from aging. And aging isn't bad karma. <laughs> that's not part of the reflection, but for this context, it's just nature aging, not exempt from it. Subject to sickness, COVID, cancer. You get cancer, it's not your karma. And that's, you know, there's, there's a really toxic new age culture that we live in that loves to blame people for their sicknesses, the spiritual people that are like, well, it's your fucking karma. It's your, you know, you're, you you must have brought that on yourself rather than just like, Nope, you took birth in a body in this fucking environment that's subject to things like COVID and cancer and injuries and
2: So the reality of the body, uh, sickness, aging, death, death isn't
0: avoidable. In the daily reflections we say, "I remind yourself every day, think about doing this if you're, if you're not already. Every day remind yourself, uh, I am, this body is subject to death. I'm not exempt from death. I was glancing over at my friend Ward over there and he's got it on his tattoo, on his wrist that says, I may die today. What a fucking great mantra. Just, I'm subject to death and today could be the day. I don't know, I hope not, fuck, I wanna, I'm attached to existence, (laughs) but it might be today. I may die today. And rather than being in denial and fear and make friends with the reality of this biology that is just not going to last. And it's not necessarily like, well, it's your karma. You're going to, fuck, you know, if you die before you're 90, it's bad karma. Well, it's just, you have a body. They, different bodies last different. And then you hear the stories of the 90 five-year-old going, why me? I'm not ready to die. I'm only 95. Like, are you fucking crazy? (laughs) Your body's just not going to last that much longer. Just an impermanent body. It's not personal. So the law of weather nature this environment that we live in the law of biology all of this stuff and so much of our mindfulness and our equanimity and our loving kindness and our compassion it's just about learning to be in this body and not take it so personal stop being so identified with like this is who i am it's temporary Oh, I was on that kick about the five. I got distracted. So sickness, aging, death. And then the other two reflections, one is the, imp- the reality of impermanence. We live in this body that is impermanent. It's going to get sick and age and die. And uh, in this world of impermanence, that it, the way that it's phrased is something like, everything that I hold near and dear, everything that I cling to, that I, everything that I love, will be, I'll be separated from, will be lost. It's not very romantic. It's not very fun to face reality in that way, to remind ourselves, everything that I'm attached to, I'm going to lose. Every one, every experience, every... But that's the reality of the biology of this temporary body. We don't get to keep anything or anyone. It's all impermanent. Which hopefully leads to more appreciation and presence and being like, well, you know, I may date, I might, I may die die today and I'm going to lose this shit eventually. So I better really show up in a fully uh, engaged way in my relationships, in my experiences rather than like avoidance. Love deeply, love, be connected deeply, be present. The fifth reflection is about karma. Sickness, aging, death, loss. And then this wonderful line to remember that's so connected with the equanimity that we're doing. That says something like, the only thing that I truly own, my only true possession is my karma. That's it. I don't own my stuff. All my stuff is temporary, rented. And this is about death. And this is about how our karma, our actions, come with us. Buddhism is a multiple life reincarnation perspective. And that we're going to get sick and age and die, lost. And what do you get to keep when you die? Just your actions, <laughs> just your karma. Maybe you've had the question, If re- some of you don't believe in reincarnation, some of you do. It's okay, you don't have to believe in it. But if you have that question, what reincarnates? If we're not this body and, and Buddhism goes all the way to like where there's no permanent self, so what reincarnates? The simplest answer is your karma reincarnates, how you have behaved in this lifetime, how you have responded, how we have reacted to our pain, to our pleasure, to our minds, the habit momentum of those reactions is what remains when the body dies. Is our true possession. That's the shit that like, if reincarnation is true, your next life, This life, based on all of the shit you did in your last life, (laughs) how you reacted in your last life, gave you those parents. Doesn't totally work that way, but sort of. I'm reading from um, Ajahn Amaro's little tiny book on equanimity, and he's talking about these five laws in the beginning.
2: I'm just going to read this section
0: to you, and we can reflect, talk about it. He says... Um, These are very significant and central aspects of our life, which we all experience in the same way, all day long, every day. They are not news. He's talking about the body. It doesn't make the newspaper headlines that everybody keeps breathing. What what does make the headlines that so and so has been elected, and so and so has been killed, and so and so has been born, and so and so won a prize, and so and so caused a scandal? It's the individual actions we take which get our attention so the third of the laws is the law of karma the law of action and its results or the law of the way personal choices function and the and affect those and the effects that those choices have karma refers to the laws that govern the way effects take shape as a result of the personal choices that we make Because we tend to give this third law credit for causing all of the things we experience in our life. It gets far more attention than the first two. Part of what we're talking about, like we kind of we think like with the body is all, all karma and the world is all karma. And he's saying like, it's just our choices. Far more attention than the first two. He says, but I think it's also important to realize that our actions and the laws of cause and effect, which relate to our actions and our choices are only relevant within the wider context of the whole natural order, within the physics, chemistry, biology, and the consequential laws of evolution. Is this helping to kind of put into context that it's not all karma. It's not all our personal karma, all of our experiences. Some of it's just nature. Some of it's just biology. Your human biology isn't also personal to you. It's not all it's just your karma. It's just what a body feels. The f- fourth is um, the law of psychology, how the mind works, how we think, how uh, memory works, how thought works uh moment takes shape the speed of thinking the way emotions work in short the laws of mental activity and the whole of the psychological realm these laws of the mental realm function in the same way as the laws of physics chemistry and biology and all of these laws interrelate with each other we feel think remember and plan in certain ways And according to certain patterns, because that's part of the natural system, that's how the mind works. I'm often reflecting on this and encouraging you to um, not take your mind so personally. It's one of the you know, laws of nature is that you have a mind that thinks about the future and the past and takes everything personal. And you have a, you know, a mind and a body that hate pain. I, I often frame this as it's not your fault. It's not your karma that you hate pain. It's just what the body does. It's not your karma that you love pleasure. It's just what the body does. It's not your karma that you're so self-centered. <laughs> That you're thinking about yourself all of the time. That you believe your thoughts and feelings. And think that they are reality. No matter how much fucking evidence we have that our minds are not very trustworthy a lot of the time. We still believe that shit. Right? You can look back and be like, man, I'm so often wrong. But I always think I'm right in retrospect my mind was misleading me but i'm pretty sure it's not misleading me right now right now i'm right this is actually true my thoughts and feelings these are real and they are real I'm not dismissing the reality of the how the mind works But part of what we're doing in mindfulness is waking up to the impersonal nature of what the body experiences, of what the mind does. The karma piece is how do we respond to the body hating pain? The action that we take is we develop tolerance and mercy and compassion. The karma, the response of, you know, yeah, somebody hurts you, you hate them. Resentment, natural, not your fault. Resentment is just psychology. It's just what the mind does. Karma is, how do I respond to that, of that resentment? How do I respond to that? How do I train my mind the action of forgiveness, of compassion?
2: I hope this is making sense.
0: What's the fifth law? The fifth law is the overarching and all-encompassing dharma, the fundamental law of reality, encompassing the full physical and mental spectrum and beyond what is describable. The relationship between the conditioned reality and the unconditioned reality. It means the laws of how the realms of form, time, space, and mind all operate including the unconditioned the unborn the unoriginated the uncreated the timeless and the formless the all-encompassing and all-embracing laws of reality at, at its most fundamental level the dharma is how these all integrate and uphold the reality of the way things are at any one moment all five of these laws are operating simultaneously so we experience right now is not just the results of karma personal actions Choosing to listen to the Dharma talk or read a teaching leads you to experience an effect because that particular karma, that choice, but it's also the result of a very fact of hearing and seeing, the mind taking that sound and sight and interpreting it and giving it meaning. And the need to breathe, the feeling of the weight of the body on the chair are related to the laws of physics, chemistry, biology. They all play into the experience that we're having in each moment. In any moment, all of these elements are playing together.
2: So karma is
0: how we relate to what's happening, how we relate to this body, how we relate to our minds. How we speak, how we, the choices, the volitional actions, the behaviors, the. Uh, and the understanding here is that it um, creates a momentum. There's a fruit, there's an effect. It means, on one hand, nobody gets away with any intentional, negative, or unskillful action. Whether you get caught or don't get caught, lying, stealing, cheating, violence, negative karma, fully responsible for it. There's going to be a negative reverberation from that. On the other positive side, it also means that we have the power to create positive momentum in our life. Honesty kindness, loving, compassionate, generous actions have positive karma to them, create a momentum of honesty and generosity and love. And and then we have that ability to change the direction of how we respond, how we relate. So right now, here we are. And we have the karma of our past actions, our present reality, our present way that we uh, respond or react, or how much compassion we have, or how attached we are. or It's all based on how we have behaved in the past. How much meditation you've done so far, how much renunciation you've done, how much honesty, how much integrity you've lived your life with has brought you here. And if you're suffering a lot, (laughs) you probably, right, are getting the karmic fruition of not having been so skillful in the past. You know, not meditating that much, not practicing that much non-attachment, that much compassion that much. And if you're not suffering that much and you're finding some freedom, it's the karma of the actions that you've been applying whether it's your recovery practice or your um, therapeutic healing resolution, your dharma practice, your adherence to the five precepts, to the uh, eightfold path. And the longer we've been doing it, the momentum of that has fruit, has results. You've probably heard me talk about how the Dalai Lama uh, was asked something like, what's the fastest, easiest way to enlightenment? And he said, there's no, no such thing, no fast, easy way to enlightenment, but that you commit and that you'll see the karmic fruit if you uh, look at your progress about once every decade. Meditate every day, live by the five precepts, stop creating negative karma, lying, stealing, cheating, be kind be compassionate be generous commit to that and then look back 10 years oh wow 10 years in i'm suffering so much less than i was when i was lying stealing and cheating and not mindful at all now 10 more years and 10 more years and 10 more years and you see over the decades of living a life based in wisdom and compassion that you've created the karma of freedom The action and the result of that action is less and less suffering, more and more happiness, more and more freedom. We can't get it by just reading about it. We can't get it by just listening to the Dharma talks. We can't get it by just, you know, there's that phenomenon of the armchair Buddhist. You really believe in Buddhism. You like to have the philosophical discussions about the different lineages of buddhism none of that leads to liberation it's the ass on the cushion and maybe even more important than the ass on the cushion how do you speak how do you listen how do you behave the karma that we create in our every moment to moment interactions with each other interactions with the world So this is for you know, our own freedom. And then in relationships, the equanimity practice is very relational, that tendency to suffer about other people's suffering, because we love and we're attached. I love you. Stop suffering. So this training of the mind to understand karma and to understand it, everyone is responsible for their own. I'm totally responsible for my happiness and how I react to what's happening is going to dictate my happiness or my suffering. You're totally responsible and bringing that into our relationships. I love you. I'm going to be kind and I'm going to try to be kind and compassionate and supportive and, patient and all of that stuff with each other, but ultimately, this equanimity perspective, you have your own karma, I can't do it for you. Can okay, we take the Brahma Viharas, you know, how connected they are, loving kindness, compassion, appreciation, and equanimity, and kind of like modernize it to something like, you know, like, I care about you, I've got your back, and... You know, and I understand that I can't do it for you. I got your back. I'm here to support and encourage and celebrate you. And I can't do it for you. So some of my thoughts about compassion and equanimity. Um, One more thing from Amaro's book and then any questions you might have. He says at the end, he says, we can't find freedom through always having things the way we'd like them. As A, life is not that controllable for anyone and B, the happiness that does come is necessarily transient. The Buddha's advice is rather for us to exchange trying to find happiness through getting what we like for learning learning how to find happiness through liking what we get. You like that? Rather than trying to find happiness by getting what we like, reframe it. Try to find happiness by liking what we get. Rather than getting what we like totally fucking counter to everything we've been taught, our whole lives, our whole societies. You'll be happy if you get the stuff. If you have the experiences, the relationship, the success, that'll bring you happiness. Let go of that and reframe it of liking, responding wisely to what we actually are experiencing. learning how to find happiness through liking what we get, or at least not finding fault with it. If we can make that shift in attitude or learn how to be open and at ease with what we've got, with how life is, then we can find a tremendous quality of harmony, peacefulness, and freedom. There is a vast, serene, he says, this is the vast, serene radiance. Of equanimity, upeka, equanimity. equanimity.
2: Any questions
0: or comments before we end tonight? Please, Ward.
2: In order to have healthy relationships, we're
3: supposed to learn. We're supposed to have secure attachments when we're young. That's a thing. <laughs> All right, they tell us uh-huh. And also, um, to the extent that we're attached to people, we suffer about. It. I'm confused.
0: Um some of it's just semantics. Ward was saying uh you know according he 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 said something like uh, suppo- apparently we're supposed to in order to have healthy adult relationships we need to have secure attachment um this is a you know western psychological kind of pop psychology attachment theory perspective and and it might be true <laughs> and it might not be true uh From that perspective the the problem is the semantics of attachment healthy attachment from a buddhist perspective it's just it's just wording but from a buddhist perspective there's no such thing as a healthy attachment ever any form of attachment will cause you to suffer period what what's her name john bulby and mary what was her name that created attachment there mary something. Marry something. What she meant <laughs> was a healthy connection with your primary caregivers. They called it attachment. Because it's, you know, we, we, do, it is, we can use the term attachment. But it's hard in Buddhism when we're talking about non-attachment. But non-attachment means connection. Attachment means clinging and controlling and suffering You know, if you're attached in an impermanent experience, that attachment itself causes suffering. But if you're non-attached, connected to your primary caregivers or to your partners or a healthy adult non-attached loving connection, no suffering. So we just need to go back and rename attachment theory connection theory because that's what they meant and that's where it fits with buddhism is that if we can become connected we can have healthy adult connections and we can resolve the ways that we didn't have healthy childhood connections with primary caregivers part of what mindfulness is doing is getting us more and more connected to our own experience and then we get more and more connected and present for other people's experience and we become connected and not attached But lovingly, embracingly, not detached, non attached connection. Yeah,
3: the,
0: Does that answer yeah, it?
3: you made into an equanimity question.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> one last one.
3: Taking it one step further, your response to the question. Uh, then, and I'm asking this mainly because I'm not, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the service, but then is, let's say, the story of the simile of the acrobat, is that supposed to be a model of the cooperation, coexistence, connection, or are there other suitors or other stories that are better in that way? Or more or more? You know, I don't
0: know the acrobat sutta well enough to, to really answer that.
3: B- basic Basic is uh, an acrobat hires an assistant. Mm-hmm. And he tells her that um, if you you know help me do my part, I think it's like help me do my part. Um, I, I hope you do your part, what will be successful, we'll put on a good act, we'll make more money. And the partner says, No, if you if we um, if you do what you're supposed to do and not be all mindful what I'm doing. I do what I'm supposed to do and not be all worried or mindful about what you're doing, put my attention on what you're doing. Then it will work. If we fulfill our responsibilities, uh, that'll be a constructive, positive working relationship will make, uh, it will entertain people and we'll make more money. I was I just wondering, okay, that always sounded really cold. <laughs> like, and so I always I, you know, um, wondering if they were based
0: on were sort of. It's, so it's kind of like if we both just stay in our own lane.
3: Yeah, and do what we're supposed to yeah. do. Even though their lives depend, they're acrobats. Mm. Yeah. Like, they stuff like right. they each other. Chip, you know? so it's like, yeah.
0: Hey. If you stay in your lane, I'll stay in my lane. That's sort of an equanimity on, on some level. I don't know. When it comes to relationships, it's like, yeah, I want to try to stay in my non-reactive loving lane, but also I'm super attached and I can't pretend like I'm not. Uh, and, you know, I'm trying to be a, a and, but, you know, there's just something in our wiring that clings.
3: Are there any, are there any parts of this sort thing that come to mind which provide that kind of guidance? Like, what, what, what's the householder couple... What's the
0: advice you know? for like a, romantic a relationship?
3: relationships? Well, just yeah, a relationship. Like, a, did anyone come to the Buddha and said, "Boy, my relationship with my wife sucks," <laughs> and did the Buddha ever respond? Okay. Whatever.
0: There is there. I mean, I don't. I feel like I'm sort of out of time now to reflect on it. There is some relationship advice. There's like relate. There's the advice to the husbands and advice to the wives and how to be a good subservient wife how to be a good provider husband and it's just sort of archaic and i also i also like kind of dismiss when celibates give relationship advice even if they're <laughs> even if they're fucking enlightened <laughs> you know What do you know about relationships, (laughs) except for that they're suffering? So you avoid them. I want to learn how to suffer in them and not just avoid them or not suffer in them. So, anyways, I'm we're we're out of time. Um, Karma is real, but don't take my word for it. You get to decide what you believe and what makes sense to you. And all of this perspective, you get to reflect on and, and decide, um, is it helpful to look at karma and to think about my attachment to other people's experience? Like this is all for your contemplation, all for your reflection. Against the Stream is a nonprofit meditation center and uh, survives and pays the rent and, uh, you know, based on your generosity. And we are doing this radical, non, uh, um, uh, this radical way where we're not charging. You know, anybody's welcome to be here and everybody's welcome to be here. And you don't have to give anything to come to class. And if you can give something and if you want to give something and if you want the, this, these teachings and our meditation center in our community to continue um, it takes, unfortunately, it takes money to do this shit and to pay the lease and to pay the lights and to keep the air conditioning on so cold so that you're (laughs) uncomfortable and, and, um, pay for the zoom and all of that. So, um, Please give generously and give it out of a a genuine sense of your desire to support this, the Dharma and and this Dharma center. Um, Suggested donation is like $15 to $20 for drop-in, if that feels like appropriate. Like think about like a yoga class or a fucking movie at this point and the kind of ways that we spend money. And make this also a part of the way that you voluntarily say like, happy to help. Up to you what you give. If you're online, you can click through to the link um, that goes to the website and donate that way. If you're here, you can put cash in the bowl. Or Tara, who's our volunteer, will be there if you want to swipe a card. And there's also a QR code for Venmo if you want to donate that way. Thank you in advance for your generosity. Um, I think next week we're going to shift into forgiveness. So. Next level. (laughs) Forgiveness, woo! Yeah, probably we should start with forgiveness instead of, but. May any goodness that comes from our practice, our discussion, the Buddha's Dharma, be shared outward in all directions with all living beings. May each one of us get as free as possible in this lifetime. And together, may we create a positive change on this planet. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.